It's a crazy little thing called Love Dev. Today's episode is 113. Lost Frequencies. Unbelievably, I am doing another podcast episode. I think there's something wrong with me. Somebody needs to check me out, take me to the doctors, get me an MOT done. I'm not quite sure what is happening, but it's great. At least you're not waiting weeks, even months sometimes for my podcast. (laughs) The good news is, because I keep doing episodes now, and a lot of getting a lot more listeners. I have shot up all the way. I've probably moved back down, but I have shot up all the way to number eighteen on Apple Podcasts. That is absolutely amazing. Number eighteen on Apple. I don't know what the overall one is, but Apple is still big in it. I don't have an Apple phone. <laughs> I'm an Android user. I've always been an Android man. Never ever had an Apple device. My brother has. He's got all the apples. All of them. Granny Smith's. Red. Red. Um, the red one. <laughs> They're the only ones I know. <laughs> Cooking apple. That's another one. That That, that is the good news. I've been. Um, I've, I went to London. As I said guys. Went to meet some TV people. So basically this was organised by. Uh, Sean Davies. Who runs Best in Class at Edinburgh Fringe Festival. So she basically gets a load of working class comics who can't get to Edinburgh because of obviously it's so expensive and they don't have any industry backing, they don't have an agent. Yeah, it's quite difficult for the working class comics, as we all know. We have to work, we've got a job, we've got a mortgage, rent, whatever to pay to keep a roof under our heads. And those, you know, who have got parents who are rich from a middle class family are more likely to, to get known or seen in that industry. And Sean Davies at, uh, ran a workshop yesterday. It was in London for Tiger Aspect Studios. And it was great, man. It was nice to meet everyone that's been on the best-in-class lineup because I don't know all the comics. Some of them obviously live across the UK, Scotland, Newcastle, Manchester, that sort of thing. So it was nice to meet people that I was on with last year, although I didn't get to see them because we all shared a week each. Yeah, it was nice to do a bit of networking. Uh, We met a couple of people from the TV industry. There was uh, UK TV there. We had an independent person. We had the head of Channel 4 Comedy. She was there. We had the Tiger Aspects, obviously, who gave us the venue. We had uh, someone from DLT Entertainment. We had BBC Studios, and we even had a journalist. It was brilliant. It was amazing. I learned so much. I I don't know how the whole industry works. There are things I would love to do in this game, and that is to write a mockumentary slash sitcom. Not quite sure, but I've got an idea. I don't want to say too much, but I do believe in it, and I think it's something different. People will find it amusing. I don't know how I can approach it, because of the topic but i'm sure there will be something definitely and i hope that they someone will be interested 
whether it's one of the people that we met yesterday or it's a totally different production company. Who knows? But I do need to start working on it. I need to start writing on it, which I am going to do. So the idea is there, is putting it all together. So yeah, yesterday was great, man. It was a long day. It was in London, as I said. I got back quite late. I'll tell you what happened, right? When I got to the train station to get back home, there was delays and I was thinking, I'm not getting home tonight. <laughs> there were so many people staring at this board. Like, it was like like being at a festival. <laughs> I think people don't know what to do. You know, when they see trains delayed or cancelled. No, they weren't cancelled, they were delayed. I think people just look and and just pray. <laughs> I think that's what people do. So I just thought, do you know what? I'm getting myself a Burger King before I get on the train. I wanted to take me Burger King on the train and eat it on the train, if you know what I mean. But I couldn't, so I thought, let me just get it now because I don't know how long this train is going to be delayed for. Luckily, it was only 10 minutes because something happened in Milton Keynes. I'm not quite sure what happened. We always think the worst, don't we? Whenever I see train delayed or it will say police incident, I always think the worst. You know, like, I always think somebody is going to try and top themselves at the train station. <laughs> it could not even be that. It could be an animal on the track or, I don't know, maybe the track's a bit slippery because it was raining pretty bad yesterday. <laughs> so I always assume the worst for some weird reason. Maybe it's my sick mind. Got the Leicester Comedy Festival coming up quite soon. I'm doing my solo show. This will be the last plug. No, it probably won't be. I might record another podcast before that. We'll see. But it gives you time to get yourselves a ticket. Quick reminder, it's on the 18th of February, which is a Sunday. The show starts at 5.30 and the venue is the King Richard III Pub. You can still get tickets online. If you go online, just put my name in. The show's called Half Soaked, and it's me doing stories for the first time. I didn't want to say too much, but that is the show. And hopefully, I'm quite pleased with the show. And, you know, writing for the past 12 months, putting it all together. I am really, really pleased with it. And I know it can only get better. But I need you people there who are listening, who are based in the UK. If you can come to my show, I know it's a lot. But if you can come, watch it, tell me what you think what bits you like, what bits you didn't like, what bits you thought I could talk more about. Uh, that's all I want, basically. I want a wicked show. I want to put it online. I want to do a tour. That is my goal. <laughs> I've got to do it, man. I'm not getting old. I'm not getting any younger, as I say. You know, I'm getting old, innit? <laughs> but I do appreciate you guys um, listening to this podcast. We're, I'm going to move straight on. Let's go swiftly into the podcast. And do ask the UK. Okay, here we go. Today's UK question on the Reddit forum has been brought by It Begins Within. They have posted this question, and I thought I'll just answer this one. <laughs> because I own one. Yeah. So he's asked, what are some things you wish you'd known when buying a house? I like that question. Now, I've had my house the same age as my daughter, 14 years. Apparently, oh, listen to this. It is a bit of good, good uh, interesting. So my neighbor next door, I know I should be doing Aston UK. My neighbor next door, right, he's selling his house, yeah. And he sold it now. It's sold. 
It says sold. It's been up for sale for ages. And I was having a chat with him, right? And he told me our houses were built almost 200 years ago. I thought my house was built in the 1940s, 1940s, 50s, right? It's actually built in the 1930s. <laughs> so, which means in a couple of years' time, my house is going to be 200 years old. That is amazing. So I'm, I've actually thought of this. Is this, is this a weird thing that I should, <laughs> that I should not do? I'm going to find out the actual date the house was built, like completely done, right? For me, that's the birthday of the house. Find out the official date. And then when it hits the 200 mark, I want to get a massive banner and put it outside my house. And it's going to say, happy birthday to this house. Today, I'm 200 years old. <laughs> I reckon if I do that, I'm going to be in the paper. Someone's going to take a picture or something, put it online. It's going to go viral and the newspapers will contact me. <laughs> I think I've already answered my first question is what are some things I wish I've known? I wish I knew when the house was actually built rather than a rough guess. So I would like to know when my house, when it's the birthday of my house. <laughs> yeah. I think that's one thing. Another thing I would probably like to, um, I think a lot of people like to know what their neighbours are like. Now, I'm going to go back to my neighbours. He told me a very funny thing. You know, he's, he's Irish, yeah? He's an English, not English, Irish. He's Irish. Irish background. He's Caucasian, is what I meant to say. Right? And he said to me, he said, what is it with Asian people? I said, what do you mean? He said, I've had a couple of Asians come round, right? <laughs> and he's asked me, what are the neighbours like nearby next, you know? And he's and no, he said, "Oh yeah, they're nice, they're nice, they're all lovely." And he said, "Every single Asian person has asked me what religion are they." <laughs> like, <laughs> do you know what? That's so funny. I might even put it in my set. What religion are they? That is so. That is hilarious. I'll tell you what the funniest thing about it is. Right, as we were chatting, this Asian bloke come over. He's he's like uh, one has next to mine yeah you know what i mean yeah the one but the other one he come over and he's seen us chatting and he's guess what he said he said to me he said what religion are you <laughs> so i showed him my steel bangle to see if he can work it out and he looked at him he went ah okay because <laughs> i think he's a muslim and he, it's, it's really bizarre isn't it so i think some people might want to know what religion is your next door neighbor <laughs> what if you bought a house and you're a Protestant and you and the next and the the, the neighbour's um a Catholic? <laughs> what do you do? It's it's so weird, isn't it, that you need to know what your neighbour's religion is. <laughs> I think before I bought my house, right, I already knew some of the things. I knew the area, I knew where the shops were, I knew there was a school nearby. My mum and dad are down the road. I think what people like to know is the actual structure of it. Was it built on top of coal, coal mines? Was it a farm before? Is there any dead bodies in the house? <laughs> I like to know if I can extend it. Obviously, I'm Asian. We love a good extension. Can I put a room on top of the roof? On on, on the garage roof, I mean. 
Can I extend it out from the back? How far can I go? <laughs> is it safe? You know, is no one watching me in the night? And are the rooms, you know, <laughs> big enough to facilitate the family and the furniture? Those are the things I would probably want to know. I want to see what they've written. They've put down, I'd like to hear about your experiences. My family is considering a move pretty soon, and I want to be clued up to not enter something surprising. What do you wish you knew then? What would you do differently? Are you better or worse off than not having a house? So what do you wish if you knew then? Not a lot, really, because, I mean, well, suppose I wish I knew... Do I need all the contents and liability and whatever on your insurance? I would say if you're going to get a it's your first time buyer and you're buying a house and you're getting house insurance, don't get conned because <laughs> they add all these little bits on top when you're at the broker. They're going to say, oh, you might spill a bit of drink on your carpet or you might drop your telly. You might you want cover for that. You don't need it, mate. <laughs> I realised after a year or two I didn't need it. It was just a waste of money. But I was like, you drive, do you need to make a drive? I already thought, ticked all the boxes, obviously, because I'm a Holmes Under the Hammer fan, which is a TV show in the UK, those of you who don't know. And it's basically people buying properties and doing, it up, doing them up and selling them or staying in it. I learnt a lot just from watching that show. So when I looked at my house, I went, it's got a drive, it's got a brand new roof, the garden's big, it's a through lounge, I can make an extension of the right. I'm going to turn that into an internet room, which is where I'm recording this podcast at the moment. This house is good to go. <laughs> so <laughs> that's what I did. Let's see what some people have had to say. Someone's put down, we very nearly bought a house that was simply stunning, but decided against it in the end due to the location. Now that's a good one. Location is always important. Location, location, location. The town itself was great, but around this house, which is a new build, were multiple big houses, so you were very overlooked, which combined with the tiny east-facing garden meant that it was unlikely to be the serene garden experience we enjoy because other people can see you sunbathing naked. We're a quiet couple with no kids, and the house houses were suited to families, so no noise was very likely going to be an issue for us. <laughs> she's put that she's ended up going for a village location with a house which is not as pretty or flashy but it's a much more spacious and serene i think that's the important thing is whatever suits you, you. i always look at something and i think in the future so is is this house big enough yes can it support more than two to three kids Yes, I've only got two, thank God. <laughs> is it near everything that I need? It literally is. I've got everything on my doorstep. Is it a safe neighbourhood? Eh, that's a question mark. But where is safe these days? Nowhere. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, you gotta. it's got to suit your needs, hasn't it? End of the day. That's how you've got to look at it, I think. Um, if you are buying a property, you will know when it's that is your house because... I always say, picture yourself in the house. Imagine you're in there. Imagine you're doing the dishes or, I don't know, you're shouting at the kids. You, you're, you're taking a break. You're watching TV. Where's your telly going to go? Those are the, the things that you just got to picture in your head. And if you don't like the look of the house, because I didn't like the look of my house and it needed a lot of work, 
I just pictured it how it's going to look. And and I'll be honest, it is like that now. The way I wanted my house is like that now. And I'm quite pleased. I don't want to brag, but, you know, we've, me and my missus have worked really hard for this house. And uh, we're really pleased with it. So I hope those of you who are looking for a house or, you know, a new house, I don't know, or a flat, whatever it is, just make sure it suits your needs, basically. Ticks all the boxes, in it? <laughs> all right, then. I enjoy I enjoy that question. It was very informative. Very informative, love dev. That's why this podcast is called a crazy little thing called love dev, because I am a little bit crazy, as you all know. Let's do a, a no stupid questions. <laughs> so let's have a look, folks. All right, here we go. I found a no stupid question, folks. Now I'm gonna be a little bit. Um, what's the word? What's what's the word? I'm gonna be a little bit um, selfish. That's the word. I'll tell you why. Because the person that's asked this question, I might even just save it as a favorite. So I'm writing a bit right about being a cab driver. This is comedy wise, and um, I basically talk about being a cab driver during nine eleven. So I've got stuff about that. <laughs> I'm not going to go too much into it because some of you out there might cancel me. <laughs> Which is not always a bad thing because you just end up with more publicity, followers and listeners. Maybe I should just do it anyway. So the question I've basically put is to do with bits of my set. And I like this because I was actually writing about this about 10 minutes ago. So they've put down, this is posted by I Love Luca, and the question they have put down is, why do uh, pilots talk like uh, this? <laughs> why is saying uh, their thing? <laughs> that That is a good question, uh, because I've noticed that, which is why I do it in my set. I think... I, th I think pilots do it so they don't sound too threatening. <laughs> this is what I believe. Because there's people out there who hate flying, right? So if I go, um, don't worry, you'll be uh, all right. But then again, if they hear me say that, they won't be, would they? I wonder if they do it to pause, to let, to make people listen. Do you reckon that's what it is? So if, if you said a captain come on and go, good evening, ladies, this is your 747 flight. Maybe they talk too fast and you're thinking, I don't know what they're saying. What was that? What, what, what time is it? What time are we landing? So if they go, uh, good evening, uh, ladies and uh, gentlemen, welcome to your... I would be probably listening. <laughs> I think that's what it is. Or is it to do with the altitude that they're flying at? So they've probably got like a little window open in the front of their cockpit. And every time they talk, when they open their mouth, a bit of air goes into the... You know, like, you know when a gust of wind goes in your mouth by accident and you go, <gasps> and you can't breathe? <laughs> I think that's, that's what it is. I'm going to go with that answer. One person has wrote, if there isn't consistent audio input, the mic will cut off. This prevents it from sounding clipped and potentially 
not communicating something important. Is that true? I didn't know that. Someone's put, no kidding. I thought they were just trying to fit the stereotype for fun. What are they basically saying? That it cuts off the sound so no one else can hear it. Is this true? One guy's put, I'm a raid officer and I play Philip Glass on repeat out loud nearby and use push to talk so when my mic cuts in, people know it's me. Right. So, okay. So is it to do with pilots? Um... <laughs> is it so people can't hear what the pilot's saying? Strange that, and it? It's bizarre. I need to research on it. I think I should. Or, well, if you know what it is, then, then let me know. Because I'm quite intrigued about this one. <laughs> okay then um i think we should uh do a weird news story yeah maybe it's pilot related who knows well, let's have a look <laughs> and would you believe it or believe it not this is not even a fix i think at times i'm a bit psychic folks <laughs> Or I think it's just one of them days where everything just connects with each other. You know what I'm talking about? I basically I found a, I found a weird news story, and I said maybe it's it's pilot related, and it kind kind of is. You know, that basically they both run on the same thing. Now you're all thinking, what the hell are you talking about? Can't you just get on with it so we can continue with our journey and and listen to this weird news story? <laughs> all right, let's do it. Today's weird news story, right? It comes all the way from the United States of America. Alabama radio stations. 200-foot tower disappears without a trace. <laughs> You've got to be kidding. A 200-foot tower, radio tower, disappears. Now, 200-foot is massive in it how does a 200 foot tower like just disappear there is no one in this world that could get rid of that that quick now, this story really intrigues me the reason i say it, it kind of matches with the the pilot thing is because they both work on air in it <laughs> radio stations on air and yeah you get it right so let's have a look and read this story Landscapers have reportedly realised the tower was missing when they arrived to do work at the site where it was located. <laughs> I didn't see it. <laughs> A 200-foot-tall AM radio tower has gone missing, leaving the Alabama station, police and others shocked and confused. <laughs> The stunning disappearance was discovered on Friday morning when landscapers arrived to do work at the site where the tower stood, according to the NBC News. WJLX General Manager Brett Elmore, shout out to Brett Elmore, said one of the workers told him that wires were all over the ground and the tower was gone. Well, clearly something's happened, isn't it? You don't just have wires hanging all all down on the floor. Someone's had a go at it, took it. Must be worth some money, you know. That amount of iron and steel that had a 200-foot tower. It's like a proper normal tower, you know, like a radio. Like a mini Eiffel Tower. 
basically. Imagine a mini Eiffel Tower getting just disappearing. <laughs> what do you mean the tower is gone? Are you sure you're in the right place? I actually used more colourful words than that, Almore Record. <laughs> I have been in the radio business around around it all my life and then it professionally for 26 years. He's been a 26 years radio jockey. And I can say I've never heard of anything like this. The tower was planted behind the Marc Jacques poultry processing plant in Jasper. Surrounded by a thick wooded area, according to AL.com. You would have to know it's back there, Almore said. It's hard to get to, and there's only one way in and one way out. It's a dead-end road. Okay. Town Square Media Market President David DeBose. Shout-out to President David DeBose. Said all facilities are fenced, gated, locked with no trespassing signs and have motion-detecting cameras that alert them if movement is detected. So are they saying it just disappeared into thin air? Maybe the aliens took it and just wanted to set up their own pirate radio station. <laughs> A nearby building was also vandalised. Every piece of equipment inside the building, including a transmitter, were taken from the site. Oh, the plot thickens. The AM station is now down, though the FM station is still up and running. And Elmore estimates it will take hundreds of thousands of dollars to get the AM side back up to full speed. The general manager filled a theft report with Jasper police, who were also shocked that the tower was taken. They said, you gotta be kidding me, mate. The station is now working with the Federal Communications Commission to get permission. Sounds like a rhyme. To keep their FM station running while a new AM tower is being built. Unfortunately, we are uninsured. Oh, no. Elmore said. They have no insurance. Someone knew that. This sounds like an insurance. I was going to say it's an insurance scam, but it can't be. Because they don't have insurance. <laughs> if anything, just scam themselves. We're a small market station, but we're going to get back, and we're going to be back on the air as soon as we possibly can. Sharon Tinsley, shout out to Sharon Tinsley. She's the president of the Alabama Broadcasters Association. Said the tower's disappearance could have become a public safety issue, according to WB Summit. I don't know. What what if there was a crisis going on right now, and the community needs to hear it? Yeah, what if there was? Information from local sources on a local radio station and they can't, said Tinsley, who has reached out to people in hopes of finding someone willing to help replace the items stolen from them. Well, there you go. That was today's weird news story. A disappearing 200-foot radio tower in Alabama. And I'm sure they will find it. Someone's obviously took it for scrap metal, haven't they? All the aliens have took it. If it's if it's security gated and it's got cameras and everything, surely they would pick it up on that, wouldn't they? I don't know. Thanks for listening. That was today's podcast episode. Keep sharing, liking, all that. But, you know, whatever they say on YouTube, do all that. Subscribe. Yeah, you're already subscribed. Tell your friends. I'll see you, I'll see you next week. 
Oh, oh, oh.